Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thank you so much, um, church family. Appreciate it. I really, really do. Uh, the joy was in the writing of it. Where it all came from was a number of years ago, I asked a question in church one Sunday morning. Um, if you've read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, right through the Bible to put your hand up, and there was only a scarcity of hands. And so I made the, the rather rash um, comment that if I were to write a devotion on a chapter in the Bible, would people read it? Because um, if you're doing the Bible in a year, you have to read four chapters a day, which is wonderful if you're able to do that. I always say if you miss a day, there's a little bit of catch up in that. You miss two, you're kind of goosed. And then what happens is people lose heart and they stop trying or people hit Leviticus and think, oh no, this is really too tough. Um, so what I suggested was to read one chapter a day. And if you read one chapter a day, you would go do the whole Bible. If you studied one chapter a day, you would do the whole Bible in three years, which is a great accomplishment for us all. And so that's where it all came from. But um, thank you so much. And I hope you are blessed with the devotions. We're looking at prayer. We're talking about, um, this is probably my favorite subject, um, contemplative prayer, because I am a contemplator. And um, so contemplative prayer is probably my hobby horse and the one that I love the most. All the different prayers are all interlinked. So intercession, adoration, all praise are all interlinked. They're all not, there's not just, you don't do them all um, in sort of specific orders, but they're all interlinked in some shape or form. But this one, probably um, when it came to realization that this is what I do most, um, I actually began to really fall in love with this. So that's why it's really important. And that's the little tagline is on earth as it is in heaven. And of course, you've got to ask the question, how do you bring to earth what's in heaven? Well, contemplating prayer does that because it brings you into the presence of God, or better still, it brings God into your presence as we'll see as we go on this morning. The dictionary um, de definition of this is, uh, means to uh, uh, involving prolong expressing or involving um, prolonged thought or involving quiet or serious thought for a period of time. And Mo did a great job on this last week, as you know, and if you missed that, you should go on to that resource section, look at our podcast. You can pick it up on Facebook, YouTube, or live stream and uh, watch it. She did a great job. And it was pointed out last week Contemplative prayer is largely silent, all right? So a vibrant prayer life is, is rarely convenient. Rather, it is hard one. It is hard one, um, but wonderfully worth it. Imagine the king of the universe is available at your request. The king of all the universe, the one who hurled the stars and the planets into being with a word is at your bequest. He is there whenever we call on him. So let that just sink in. Um, I heard a silly story of a, a monk who signed a vow of silence for a year. And after the year, he was allowed to say what he was thinking. And he said that the room was too cold. So he entered another year of silence. At the end of that year, he was allowed to speak again. And he said the food was terrible. And he decided to pack this monk thing in altogether. To which the chief monk, whatever you call them, said, Good job, because you've done nothing but complain since you came. Um, it, the, the story has no real meaning to what I'm saying, but just thought it was funny. Um, um, but contemplative prayer is about silence. It is about, 
it's more about being than doing. It's about, because we're human beings. We're not human doings. We're human beings. And so it's more, um, it's probably more experiential than it is logical or practical. Now, I've told you often about the Chinese bamboo. And the Chinese bamboo, what happens is you plant the seed and you water the seed for the first year and it doesn't break soil. The second year is the same, the third year is the same, and the fourth year is the same. And in the fifth year, it grows 90 foot in six weeks. And of course, the big question that people will ask is, did it grow 90 foot in six weeks or did it grow 90 foot in five years? And of course, we know the answer is five years because for those years, what was happening was those four years, it was um, it was spreading its root system under the ground. It was putting down its root system that whenever it would break the soil in the fifth year, that the root system would be, a, would be sufficient to hold the, the, the height of these, these um, bamboos. And so it's really important in contemplative prayer, I'm going to suggest to you what we're actually doing is we're putting a root system into God. It's something that's very, very powerful. And as I say, it's more experiential and logical at times. And I think sometimes what I say to Laurie, when I do this, I say that when, when I get into contemplative prayer, when I start to speak, I usually spoil it. When I speak, I usually spoil it. Now, it's both and, as we will see as we go on. And so I need to make this point. I need to make this point, all right? Contemplative prayer, meditation, belongs to Christians. It belongs to the Bible, all right? It's not, it does not belong to Eastern spirituality or New Age movements. It is ours, and we need to reclaim it, all right? And as Maureen said last week, it's more than just emptying your mind, but it's actually more about filling your mind. And I love what John Owen said. He says this, that biblical meditation is filling the mind with Scripture and then loading your heart with it until it affects not only the emotions, but your entire life. I love that. It's not just about filling your mind with Scripture, but it's loading your heart. I love that whole thing. And so that's why... Um, contemplative prayer is highly linked to meditation, and, and the Psalms are full of it, okay? We could put pages after page of Psalms of this, God alone, my soul waits in silence. It says, be still and know that I am God. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate you in the watches of the night, on this law, it talks about the person who is the righteous person who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. So on and on we could go. But um, I know in your life group last week, I made the mistake in the first service thinking that you were doing life group this week, but this prayer meeting, life group has passed. Um, and if you watch the little video that Pete did on this, um, the, uh, on, on the prayer course on contemplative prayer, he mentioned three words that I think are really, really important. He mentioned the word meditation. And what he said about that was that was me and God. That was a place where you decide to go into something. I call this um, thinking out your theology. So this isn't just about going in with an empty head. This is thinking out your theology. So what you do is when you go into meditation, you're going in knowing the Word of God. You're knowing that God is a good God. You're knowing that God loves you. You know that God is full of grace. You know that God is full of forgiveness and mercy. You have that all worked out. That's the theology is all worked out. So you're going into this, and this is a, a kind of a, 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 a going in to meditate on what you know. 
Meditate on what you've learned. Meditate on what you've been taught or what you've read. And so you're going in and it's a sort of a me and God. And then it moves into contemplation where the sort of the center of gravity changes as it were. And instead of it becoming about me and God, it now becomes about God and me. It sort of moves into a place where, you know what, this is so good. So not only, uh, I, I call this uh, not just only thinking out your theology, this is now you working out your theology. This is saying, yeah, God, you are good. Yeah, God, you are. I do know you love me. And you're in that place where you're contemplating that actual love of God, and then it's moving it on to the next place, which is communion, where actually you don't really matter at all. It's just about God. And we see this sometimes in worship, don't we? We see this whenever we worship God at times, where you get into that place where, um, where, where, where God is just what really matters. And so what I thought we'd do this morning, I, I, I actually think this is one of the most enti- important types of prayer. And again, I say it's my hobby horse, so forgive me for that. But, um, and so what I thought we'd do this morning is we'd practice it, all right, if you'd go along with me. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to read Psalm 27, it's 14 verses, and I'd love you to meditate on that. I'd love you to meditate on it with me. Now, you might want to close your eyes to do that. If you don't, don't be offended. So if you've, but sometimes closing your eyes, you shut out the distractions around you, and you might just want to Um, And I'm going to read it from the NIV version, and I'm going to let you experience the Word of God, all right? So this is is our sort of practical outworking of this today. So let's, let's chill our hearts, all right? Lord, we just ask that you would come right now as we read your Word, that we prepare to meditate on this just as we read it in Jesus' name. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord is the thing that I actually seek most, and that's to live in the house of the Lord forever all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come and he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surrounds me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I have never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yeah, wait patiently on the Lord.
what you've just experienced there is the power of the word of God. See, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It doesn't actually really need a preacher. It does, I says, and it was invented long before we're on the scene. It does exactly what it says in the book. And so when you read this word, it becomes a, a mirror to you. It becomes the washing of the water of the word that Paul writes. And if I were at home now and I was doing this, I'd sit quietly and allow it, as John Owen said, to load my heart. Maybe this is what the psalmist was thinking when he penned that psalm in Psalm 100, thinking probably of the old tabernacle. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. There was a process of moving into this where it was me and God, and then it became about God and me, and then it just came about, just about God, just about him. And... Um, and I think that's what it is. The problem sometimes I think is that silence actually scares us as something that makes people feel a little bit uncomfortable because while we, some of us embrace and long for silence, um, others find it frightening or maybe even isolating. Um, in silence, we can become so aware of the surroundings around us and maybe even around our thoughts and even our fears as well. And silence can either be peaceful or sometimes can be actually quite deafening. The wilderness, a bit like this, I think, is a, it's a bit the same, like silence. It can make us feel uncomfortable, but will, the wilderness can be a place or it can be a time that we go through. And, but of course, we know that Jesus actually was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus actually was led and looked for by the Spirit, not by the enemy, out into the wilderness to spend time fasting and praying with the Father and then being attacked even by the enemy. And it was after he won that battle that he became um, or started his ministry. And when I began to explore this discipline of prayer many, many years ago, I found the, the Matthew 6, 6 verse that Dave quoted earlier, when you pray, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go into the closet, go into your room and close the door and God who hears in secret will reward openly. And so there is times of corporate prayer where we come together like Wednesday night. And I love that and meeting with our elders and some of our guys and praying together. I love because iron sharpens iron. But there are those moments that you've just got to go in and close the door. And contemplative prayer, prayer is about being present in the presence of God. It's about being mindful of God who is outside the concept of time and space. God doesn't live in our concept of time and space. And time, we know, is described in two different ways. We have chronos time and we have karyos time. And chronos time, nothing is ever finished. We live in, there are events of the past, there are events that are coming this week. We live in that sort of chronological time system. Time is ordered. It's how we need to live in the constraints of, of the world to um, pull us into our workplaces and different things, into family life, into getting the kids ready for school. That's chronological time. That's how we must live. But there are, there's karyos time. And karyos time is being fully present in the moment in stillness. It's God's time. It's karyos time is where God works, all right? And um, I, I, wish I, I wish I had many more stories of karyos time to recall to you, but I recall one night many, many years ago when church was in its infancy, and we always know that things are easier, easier killed in infancy. That's why our abortion laws are horrible in this wee country that Westminster bombed through in the midst of storming been closed. And um, uh, because babies are easy killed, aren't they? Especially in the womb when they don't have a voice. And, um, and that's, you know, it's, it's age old. 
heard, whenever he heard that Jesus was about, he, he just thought he'd wipe out all the babies two years and under. And when our church was just about two or just around two years of age, this is over 20 years ago now, we're about 25 years old, and, and we were going through a really difficult time. It had been a wonderful couple of years. It was a bit like a honeymoon time, and church had been great, and we had some people. And then, then we felt the enemy was just trying to kill it. And um, I was working another job full time at that time and came home from work and had really spent the day at work really pondering some things in my head that I felt God was saying. And I knew I just needed to get into the presence of God. And Jill was alive at the time. And I remember coming into the house about half six and I said, look, can you just park the dinner? Um, I, I need to get into the presence of God. I need to hear God in these things. And I said, just give me half an hour. And I went into my little study and um, I got down onto my prayer rug. That's, I, people pray different ways. I need to get my head down because if I, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a picture crooked in the wall. So I just need to get my face down before God. And I lay down to pray and, um, and I, 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 I sense God in the room. And, um, and I prayed. And God came, and God, there was some answers to prayer, some things that came that night. And whenever I went out of the room, it was half past ten. Dinner wasn't that good. And, uh, but, um, but I remember Jill saying to me that, I said, why didn't you come in and get me? And she says, Phil, every time I opened the door, the presence of God in the room, there was just a sense of the presence of God in the room. And that's Karyos' time. Time stands still, you see. In my recollection, in chronological time, it felt like it was 15 minutes or half an hour. But in God's time, time stands still. And that's what contemplative prayer does. It's about, again, I say it's about being, not doing. And a great analogy of this is found in, in, um, in Luke 10, 38, and it's the Mary and Martha story. And of course, you know this. If you remember, Martha is hurrying about, being busy around the house. And Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, looking up into his face, just drinking in his presence. And our sense of worth, like Martha, can sometimes come by doing but we're beings, you see, and it needs to come by what we are being, not by what we are doing. Now, actually, if the truth be told, sometimes I, I think we sell Martha down the river for this, and Marthas are great too. Actually, we all need to have Marthas in us. We need to be both Mary and Martha because both are important. There's time for action and somebody needs to make the grub and all of that. But there's also time where we need to park and gaze into the face of God and allow him to gaze upon us. And contemplative prayer is a bit like this. It's limited by words and images. It's being still with God and it's being present and allowing him to be present with him. It's pulling God, heaven, down to earth and he becomes in our presence. That's why it's me and God, then it's God and me, and then it's just God, because that's all that really matters. And, um, and uh, I think it's, it, this, this petitioning him with a, with a sort of a humble boldness um, and waiting for him to respond with an infinitely beautiful love. That's what contemplative prayer is. And it's the most beautiful thing. And I'm, I challenge the first service, I'm challenging you as well, to try it today. Park something for half an hour or an hour, put the kids in another room, get somebody to mind your kids, do whatever you need to do, but take a half an hour or an hour and get into the presence of God and start to meditate on, on what you know about him. And then as you meditate on what you know about him, it begins, the, the, the center of gravity changes and you begin to think, that is so true, that is so good. And then you get to the place where you just think, 
oh no, I'm staying here. This is just good. God's here. That's, that's what contemplative prayer is. And it is so, so important. Now, in this, it's not been concerned about the worries of the future or the pains of the past. It's being in the presence of God, in his carryos time, in silence and stillness and relationship with God. And yet in that stillness, being present with God, that we're able to draw strength from him. And this is where we get the wisdom. Um, now, I want to um, take the last five minutes or so and talk to you a little bit where Maureen left us off last week. And Maureen talked a little bit about um, renewing your mind. And renewing your mind is so, so important. And one of the best stories, I'll not read all this, but I'll, let, me, let me just um, tell you a little bit about what it's about. All right, so it's, it's a transfiguration. Luke 9 tells us this. Mark 9 tells us the same story. And in Luke 9, it talks about Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up the mountain to pray. He takes them up. These are people who had seen his kingdom come. These are people who had seen him heal the leper. They had seen him raise the dead. They had seen the kingdom of God in action, but he's about to lift the veil and show them a little bit more. And I wonder why. And I think I'll, I'll, I'll give you an idea why that is. So what happens is he goes up this mountain and it says there, you'll see in the second line, second word, that his face was altered. The Greek word for that is the word other. So in one moment, his face went from being like this to being like this, completely different. You couldn't have compared them. It went from being a human to being a glorified Christ. And then it says his clothes became dazzling. The NIV puts it there. The authorized puts it um, as flashing. It's like, so the idea is, the idea is there, there, it's like lightning. His clothes are like, has, so his face is completely changed into something that they can hardly gaze at. And, and his clothes are flashing like lightning. And then Moses and Elijah come and talk to him about his soon um, departure from the earth. Isn't it amazing that two people, like a man handled by God to glory, came to talk to Jesus about his soon departure? And there's reasons for that. We haven't to go in, can't, can't have time to go into today. So let me, let me show you this, all right? This is really important. I know I've taught you this a few years ago, but it's so important, all right? Transfigured, the word transfigured, if you're a studier of the Bible and you've got a Strong's, you will look up 3445 in Strong's and you'll see that the word transfigured is actually the word transform. It's the exact same word that's used in Romans 12 too, that you're not to be transformed to this world, but or be conformed to this world, but being transformed. How do you be transformed? By the renewing of your mind, by changing how you think. You see, this word transformed is where we get our word metamorphosis from. And it's changing. It's the word metamorphosis, meaning a complete change of form. So you can't look at a caterpillar and think that thing's going to fly in a week. There's, no, there's just no comparison. There, that's metamorphosis. It's one thing, one time, and then in a few weeks, it's another thing. That's what happened to Jesus in a second on the mount. And I think, I think that the reason that happened was Jesus was giving us a visual picture of what a renewed mind looks like. He's saying, when you get into contemplative prayer, when you get into the place where heaven comes to earth, what actually happens is your mind should be completely different. You should think completely different because um, it's just the way it is. It's the way. Now, you might say, well, hold on, Phil, that's Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. You're talking about Jesus. This is us. We're human beings. Let me turn you to Colossians 1. If you go to Colossians 1, you'll find that Apostle Paul said, somebody says to Paul, Paul, what's the hope in you? And he says, it's Christ in me. 
That is the hope of glory. Not Christ around me, not the fact that I, I have Jesus as my Savior, but Christ in me. If I had a seat here and sit on it, but I haven't. If I was sitting in a seat, you're sitting in a seat. Right now, Christ is in you. If you're a believer, Christ is in you, and he is your hope of glory. So when you go into the workplace tomorrow, and you put your seat on the, your bum on the seat, sorry to be so blunt, but you put your bum on the seat in your workplace, or in your school, or wherever you go, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. He is the one that resides in you. This is what Paul was saying when he writes in Philippians 2, 5, and he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think the way he thinks. Why can we think the way he thinks? Because he lives on us. Isaiah 61 says, arise and shine, for the light of the glory of God is upon you. He doesn't say arise and reflect. We're not moons. We're not moons that reflect the light of the sun and then reflect. That's not the way it works. He comes and he lives in us. Christ in us becomes the hope of glory. The God of heaven who sought to um, be amongst his people of Israel in the Old Testament, devised a tabernacle that he could come and dwell amongst his people, has always wanted to dwell amongst his people. It happened from the Garden of Eden when he would come down in the cool of the day and he would walk and the man would show him the things that he had done in the garden that day. It's always been the heart of God to dwell amongst his people. We have pushed them away. We have made barricades and barriers and miles and miles of distance with that. We've created um, ravines that God that, that felt we could not cross because of our sin. But then God in Christ Jesus became our bridge and he became our mediator and he built the intersection. He built the way that we could now pass into God and God could pass into us. And that's what contemplative prayer does. It's a mind that picks up the mind of God and says, this is, what, this is again what Paul is thinking when he's writing in Ephesians 2 and he says, you were once aliens, to the commonwealth, once you, were, once you were apart from God, but now you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And we have this old mythology around the Christian life, that the Christian life is so hard, and we have this idea of the Christian with a machete in a jungle, and you're just walloping your way through the jungle. You can't see because the, the reeds are too high. You can't see where you're going. And life is just this sort of cutting your way with a machete through the jungle to find your way. That is not the New Testament way to live. The New Testament way to live is raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly place. That's not talking about heaven. Heaven's, heaven's a different thing entirely than that passage. That is talking about us. What happens is we, we raise ourselves up and we begin to think with the mind of Christ. And then as we're seated in heavenly places, we begin to look down and say, oh, that's what's wrong there. That's how we deal with that. And we begin to look with his eyes. We begin to hear with his ear and we begin to think with his mind. Why? Because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. It's hard to get into your psyche. It's hard to get into your minds, but I'm telling you today, this is the most wonderful thing. This is the most beautiful way to pray that you could ever do it. And so we're going to finish, and I'm going to pray for you right now because our time's gone. I know kids and kids' ministry need us to grab our, our kids. There is so much in this. I could teach for so long in this, but it's the most beautiful piece of, of, of opportunity for you today to grab heaven and pull it into your prayer closet. The God of eternity, the universe, the God and creator of the universe in your space that's carrying us down.
I'd love you to stand. I'm going to pray. I did this in the first service. I said, I've thought of saying if you feel you'd like this to stand, but I'd be embarrassed if you didn't stand. So um, I'm standing, and I just feel like uh, I need us to pray, just to take a moment of silence. Now, God, to resurrect and reign in your heart, to know that this is the most beautiful thing that you can ever experience. And sometimes it's just in the stillness. Again, I say, sometimes when I'm connecting with God in my head, I feel that when I start to speak, I spoil, I spoil it. And there's a time for words, and there's a time for a list, and there's a time to pray for your kids and your grandkids and your business and your finance and your marriages. There's a time to cry out to God and say, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. There are those times there is, but there's also those times that he needs. You ever, you ever been speaking to someone who's reloading? You ever been speaking to someone and you know they're not listening to you, they're reloading, so they, as soon as they get a moment to jump in, they're going to give you their sort of um, machine gun load of stuff that's going on in their head. That's what we do with God sometimes. We get into his presence and we just, rather than allow him to minister to us, we're just reloading. We're thinking, well, I need to pray about this, I need to pray about this, and I need to give him this list, and I need to, stillness. Father, I just thank you that in quietness and stillness will be our strength. And I pray this week and even this day, God, as the folks in this room and in the foyer um, and the overflow get into the presence, get into that place with you, God, Lord, that they'll see heaven come to earth. They'll see you in their marriage. They'll see you in their grief. They'll see you in the pain. They'll see you in their sickness. They'll see you uh, in their struggle with their kids or grandkids or whatever is going on, that they will see heaven come to earth. God, come, be amongst us, we pray today. Fill us with yourself. Give us the desire, oh God, to, to get into this meditative state where it goes from me and God to contemplating of God and me where it comes to that place of communion where it's just about you. You are so awesome, God. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.